welcome to You Podcast Presents the Wheel of Time Recap Show. I'm Asim Bernie and I don't know anything about the books. I'm Sujoy. I've read up everything about the series except for the books. And I'm Amrita. I'm a super nerd who's read all the books. Hi and welcome to a new episode of You Podcast Presents the Wheel of Time Re- Recap Show. For the people joining us for the first time, we're doing a spoiler fix show up until everything that's happening in the show. We're not spoiling anything that's happening in the books. You can also send us your emails at youpodcasting at gmail.com. Uh, we are talking this episode of episode five of the Wheel of Time, Blood Calls Blood. Uh, my name is Asim Verney, um, and welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Amrita. Hi, Asim. Hi, Sujoy. Hello, hello. Uh, let's uh, let's get into episode five. Let's start with general thoughts. Like, uh, where, where, like we were all very much excited after episode four. Um, I think this is more of a filler episode after what we just witnessed in episode four. Uh, mm. I, I know there are a lot of things that have happened, but this is a nice build up to what will happen in episode six. I think I haven't seen episode six yet, but uh, what I, I heard from Amrita is that's the big one to look forward to. And like from what we just experienced in, uh, in episode four, all the action and all the exposition and all the character build up moments that we got in episode four. Compared to that, this seemed like a more c- calm episode where we are just, you know, sort of brewing things up. Um, having said that, I'm not really disappointed with the route they've taken. Uh, it, this is also as important as the flashier, more violent, more action movements that we got in episode four. It's because of episodes like this that those are, you know, like those act as payoff moments. And mm. uh, I, I generally like uh, there are moments in this episode that really uh, connected with me, uh, especially to do with Lan, um, which we will talk about later. Uh, but overall, like I, I, I was okay with this episode. Mm, uh, yeah, mostly. Mm-hmm. Amrita, we're kind of past halfway season one, right? There's only nine episodes. Yeah. We're in episode five. How are you feeling? Eight episodes, I think. Is it eight? Or I was on yeah, it's only eight episodes. Oh, okay, eight episodes. so we're definitely over half of it, yeah. 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 Um, why don't you go first, Asim? Because I have <laughs> uh, very bookish opinions about this episode. So uh, why don't you go first yeah. and then I'll tell you what I feel. Okay, so I agree with the sentiment Sujoy is kind of saying that I felt this was a placeholder, place-setting kind of episode. I just feel that... Um, like there was this big kind of bombastic finale uh, to the last episode, episode four, and I felt they they've calmed down quite quickly. I was kind of hoping they'd kept that momentum a little bit more, but yeah. um, I just kind of like my energy kind of went puss with this episode. Uh, more than it was like when we were watching episode three, I was like I knew something cool was coming, and I knew you've told us that episode six is pretty cool too um but i don't know this one i think what also really bothered me in this episode was the cgi because it's very cgi heavy and it almost feels like they're you know visiting rivendell or something like that like nothing feels (laughs) lived in it all it's all very cgi and one thing that i've started to notice about this show that um I, i mean I had noticed it before, but it's now really bothering me, is that 
they've spent a lot of money yet the show looks kind of cheap like all like the sets and stuff like that they don't feel mm. lived in and it's it's kind of bothering me now and that's just because the pace has dropped if things were happening i wouldn't be noticing these things but i am noticing because not much is happening except having long conversations so um i i, yeah. I know exactly what you mean by the lived in thingy so yeah. whenever you even look at the tinkers when they are like been traveling for so long they all, they all have like pristinely new clothes and yeah. the moment you enter the white tower everybody is in like freshly ironed costumes you know it doesn't yeah. feel like they've been wearing that for ages and you know they are uh you know the setting is authentic it just looks very like okay costumes are on and all the extras are just walking across the road it just feels like yeah. that so and that like, makes a whole so, lot of difference to sell the reality of it yeah and we spoke about it when we were talking about the fight scenes and the actions last episode that it just feels mm-hmm. like odd with the clothes also it just seems like they're larping or something like that sometimes <laughs> and that's a shame because they've spent a lot of money and there's a lot of talented people involved so yeah those are kind of my general thoughts what about you amrita yeah so uh, basically about uh, how i've been thinking about this series starting from episode 4 um is that there are the books and then there is a show which is sort of like fan fiction uh because they're taking events and characters from the books and they are sort of coloring in a lot of background detail that Jordan mm. wrote. Uh so Jordan was actually you know he started out as a genre writer so he is really good at just focusing on the main characters and the main action and then sort of giving uh you know telling you like what's happening in the background but in very general terms. He doesn't like stop and go into detail over there. uh which is good because he also writes in a very expansive way and like the series is like 14 and a half books so you can only imagine like if he had actually stopped and like colored it in like what it would have been so um about 80% of this episode is what i would call fan fiction because it's stuff that um we can kind of imagine from you know throwaway lines and things that have been described about these characters but we never quite actually see any of this action in the pages of the book but conversely this is also one of the best world building episodes that we've seen so far because i feel like you get a really good sense like especially if you're uh, a newbie to this world and you don't know what any of this means you get a really good sense of who the aesidai are and who the waters are and how the waters are really a brotherhood um and uh you know like and what the, how how willing the tinkers are to uh put themselves in harm's way to um to basically live their beliefs mm, you know like yeah. a lot of pacifists talk about pacifism but they're not really willing to put you know blood and sweat but the tinkers are willing to do it and you really see that um and you also see the brutality of the children of the light in a way that is not like gimmicky like it is the first time that you see them you know they're mm-hmm. not like uh cutting up body parts of isadai they're like doing like very real evil that men do in real life it's very believable 
So um, it's a mixed bag of an episode. Like there are things that I really like about this episode. And there are things that, uh, like you said, like the lived in thing is really getting on me. And unfortunately, it doesn't get better from here. Like I wish I could tell you like it gets better, but it really doesn't. So um, there's like, uh, yeah, I I don't get it. Like uh, I was reading something like, you know, uh, Sujoy linked us to um, an AMA that Rach Judkins, who's the showrunner, uh, did on Reddit, and he was talking about how each episode costs ten million dollars, and I'm like, for what? Like, yeah. where did those ten million dollars go? <laughs> like, Sanjay Leela Bansali does a better job of this, <laughs> with like, you know, not even a quarter of the money. So I'm just like, where did all that money go? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's an odd one. I think this one. Uh, I, I want to hear more about what the specific details are of um, the world building and the fan fiction, because um, that's quite interesting to hear. But shall we get into the episode itself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we open after the aftermath of the battle with Loghain, and we are kind of in a funeral of the Aes Sedai that passed. Um, Stepan, is it Stepan or Stepan? Step um, in. I don't step in, I think. Step in, okay. Like step in, yeah. wolf, okay. So, step in <laughs> takes um, the ring of uh, the Aes Sedai that is supposed to, and he's supposed to bring it to the White Tower. There's a lot of silent communication happening between Moraine and Lan in this episode. I think it's the first time that you could really feel that they have this unspoken bond. Um, and then we cut to one month later and we see that all three of the groups that have been separated are arriving near the White Tower. Um, how did you, uh, Amrita, is this kind of one of the fan fiction part of things that you were mentioning, the funeral procession oh, yeah. and all that? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This entire this entire thing in the woods with Loghain is definitely fan uh, mm-hmm. Like that never happens, but uh, it's a very good way to uh, to make the background more dynamic, because mm-hmm. um, I know like a lot of people have been complaining about the first three episodes and how there's a lot of exposition and uh, <coughs> excuse me. And I feel like this is a really great way for them to um, cut down on the exposition and make it more action based. And mm. I really liked it. And like you said, the relationship between Moraine and Lan, like this is the episode where you really saw it, especially there's that scene where they're approaching Tarvalon and um, uh, Moraine and Lan are discussing the concept of home. And Moraine says, you know, like, what is home to her? And she says, you know, home is um, a brooding man by my side. And they're both like laughing about it. And it's like these tiny little moments of this companionship and you get a really good sense of just how much they like each other and how they're friends, they're actual proper friends. Um, And that's really nice. Mm. Sujoy, did you notice how many times this episode has a shot where you're at eye level and then it zooms up and you see it from the top? Yeah, I think there's at least three shots of those, and I think the first one is in the funeral sequence here. Yeah, Um, when they bury the people, and then there's another one at Stepin's funeral as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a few of these uh, in this one. Uh, Any thoughts on the shot? (laughs) 
It's a cool shot. <laughs> I yeah. I don't know. It's it's one of those shots that's been spoofed so many times and parodied so many times, especially yeah. if the main character is screaming. And we have two of these in this one, so it's just kind of like uh, it's kind of funny. Like Deadpool would have a have a ball with this one, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the the funeral sequence? Um. Yeah. I'm like the. I think I was more moved by obviously Stepin's funeral, uh, especially because Lan just broke into tears so loudly. I just that was really powerful. I mean, there's I I couldn't help myself get emotional at that moment. It was really well done. Uh, Daniel Henney has done a really good job, I thought, and just the that you know it sort of evoked that emotion that Moraine joined in and everybody else joined in and they were all thumping their chests. Um, yeah, that was really, really like a, a very powerful scene for me. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, let's let's move on to uh, let's split up in the three storylines. Let's start with Egwin and uh, Perrin. Uh, yeah. That's okay. Um, so Egwin and Perrin, um, the, uh, so they've been they've been given refuge by the Tinkers and they're kind of on their way. Perrin is still asking about this non-passive, this pacifist. Uh, you know, philosophy that the Tinkers have. So apparently he's been doing this for a month. He's just been asking them questions and annoying them, but they seem to be pretty chill about it. Um, when they're about to arrive at the White Tower, uh, the White Cloaks, White Cloaks attack the group and uh, the uh, the Tinkers try to stall, but are, uh, Egwin and Perrin are ultimately captured. Uh, Eamon Valda comes back and he tortures both of them and he wants Egwin or Perrin to reveal their powers um, and there's a quite a brutal torture scene happening and uh, both both Egwin and Perrin are close to revealing some sort of power um, but uh, they don't um, but they do manage to escape and um, after Perrin calls a wolf pack that he's been seeing in his dreams and Egwin stabs Eamon Valda in the shoulder. Um, did I miss anything there, Amrita, that's important or key into the storyline of this? So uh, I, I don't think, I don't know if you noticed, but Egwin sets Perrin free from his, uh, from his chains, like, you know, like how mm-hmm. he's bound. Um, Egwene manages to use the one power to um, loosen it so that he can rip free. So that does happen. And then you see Perrin's eyes change, uh, the color of his eyes change, and that's also significant. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did see the. I, I don't know if, uh, like, Egwin, because uh, she, she does two things, right? She, like, throws a fireball at Eamon Valda, but then she's also sneakily, uh, uh, she's burnt Perrin's ropes, right? I don't know if that was intended or that her powers are just not in her control at the moment. Um, I think she was, like, trying her best to do it. Like, that okay. was, uh, yeah, yeah. And also, is she an Aes Sedai now, or is she not? Like, I don't understand. Is she a wisdom? No. Like, I, I, so okay. she, if when you have the talent in you, um, that doesn't mean you are an Aes Sedai. To become an Aes Sedai, you have to go to Tavalon. You have to um, enter as a novice. So it's kind of like based on uh, how nuns do it at convents. So you right. um, you sign up to be a nun, and then you study for a few years. And then you take, um, like, how you take 
your final uh, like orders, like you know how you take your vows. Um, it's sort of like that, um, and you'll find out how they take their vows later on. But uh, there's a whole like ritual, and um, it's pretty significant. And um, I don't know how much of that they're going to show in the show, but in the books they go into like really good detail about um, the different tests that you need to pass in order to become an Isodai. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of kind of the the torture scene and kind of the the brutality of it? So it wasn't enough for me. <laughs> It was yeah. enough <laughs> because I'm used to what Game of Thrones does, you know, with um, what's his name, uh, uh, the Boltons. They uh, Ramsey Bolton does to uh, yeah. what's his name, Theon Theon Greyjoy. Theon yes. Greyjoy, yeah, that's the one. Uh, so sorry, but yeah, we keep bringing in like Game of Thrones references here in in this podcast, but uh, I thought it was like you know a pretty tame version of that. Uh, if we are expecting people to, you know, we've already seen brutality on the show, so I didn't know why they sort of chose to hold back on it, especially when the questioner is meant to be such a fearful, fearsome figure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I don't, it, it was okay. I'm, gl- I'm glad they held back, to be honest, because I think that's a, sh- a choice you make in a show. What kind of choice? Uh, what kind of show you're going to be, and. I, I, they really do not want to be a Game of Thrones, I think. And I think if they had shown a lot more brutality, that uh, I think that would have turned off a lot of people. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think, Abrita? I think this is a conscious choice not to be like be scary, but not be like super brutal that he's like, you know, flailing him and stuff like that. So in the books, they are not as, as explicit as the uh, Game of Thrones books. And um, like you mentioned, like it's mentioned, like the things that are happening, but there's no detail, if that makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. like um, they let you sort of color in the details yourself. So it can be as bad as you can imagine or not as bad as you can imagine. Like, you know, it can it depends. So um, I read, again, like what Sujoy was saying, like, you know, like a lot of people are already upset, like the book readers are already upset that the show is this brutal already. Um, Mm. But I think um, I think I'm with you, Asim, like I'm okay with like this level of brutality and I don't really need more, Uh, especially because I know some of the things that are coming up. And if they choose to go into like really great detail about the things that are coming, then uh, it's definitely going to be grisly. Mm, interesting. Um, and I, I also thought this was quite horrific, the way they showed uh, Egwin being uh, showered and like yeah. won by these three men. Yeah. I felt that was quite horrific too. Like I thought that scene was almost more brutal than the one where he's, you know, getting cut up. Um, it's just like, also, yeah, you, like really... the, the, you know, the brutal way that they combed her hair and brushed her skin. It almost felt like the brushes were metallic. It sounded yeah. like that. It was so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That felt really like invasive and violating. Um, yeah. Um, what what did you kind of think of Eamon Valda as a character? Like he, I think he's doing his best uh, Prince Joffrey over here. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I'm not. 
I don't know how I feel about that performance or that character yet. I'm kind of like undecided. Where like, it's just kind of one of those template characters. Like I enjoy, yeah. you know, bringing pain so much, and I just feel it lacks freshness. Maybe. What do you think? It's Amrita? very, it's oh, very like scenery chewing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's. Yeah, it's like very like Jared Leto or something like that, you know, like we're like <laughs> speaking of like House in Gucci, like it just feels kind of fake. I don't know. I'm not I'm not like vibing with that performance too much. What do we what about you, Amrita? Is he is he the way he is in the books or is the is the actor bringing something for you? Um, I need to see him when he is amongst the other children of the light, because right now we don't really see him interacting too much with his brotherhood, so to speak. You know, like if you go back and actually look at the series, you see a lot of him torturing people, killing people, beating up people, all that kind of stuff. But you don't see him having, you know, conversations with uh, the other children of the light. So Mm. I want to see that because even Valda as a character is pretty complex. Like he is an evil git. But um, also he's an evil git because he is just an unquestioning devotee of his um, of his cult, basically. Mm. So that's what I was that, that that was a question I had because he does like Egwin kind of says that to him that if you were, uh, you know, a real uh, what is children of the light, you wouldn't. You wouldn't hurt somebody who has done nothing. And he was very easily telling her that he might have just, you know, forgotten about his vows. So I wasn't exactly sure what kind of person he is. Is he really committed to this religion or cult, whatever he has? Or is he one of those guys that just does whatever is needed to get the job done? I wasn't really sure what, what they were trying to do there. Yeah, I think we'll find out more. I don't think we'll find out more about his character in the first uh, season. Um, Mm. I think unless they just like burn through the action, uh, which they're fully capable of doing, by the way. So um, I think it'll be like future seasons. It'll be interesting. Uh Um, Shall we move on? Perrin's uh, wolf powers. Did you guys have any thoughts about that? Uh, It is wolf powers he has, right? He's one of the like he's he's like a werewolf or something like that. I can't tell you because it's like a giant spoiler. (laughs) Ah, okay. Sujay, what did you think? Do you think he's one of the Twilight people? <laughs> uh, I, th- I <laughs> no, he's not Tyler Lutner. <laughs> um, I think that the series is doing a a good job of misdirecting us about the whole chosen one or the dragon reborn. So it's showing everybody and uh, who's got this way to channel or speak to the power of the dragon reborn so far and i think they are purposefully not showing someone who has the actual power um Mm -hmm. and i think that's what they did with egwin uh, as well as perrin this time but um perrin's power is more like to do with the wolves and he can communicate with them and he's got uh, those eyes and brutal strength as he stands up and sort of Eamon uh, Balda also gets really scared looking at him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that is exactly uh, the dragon reborn speaking to him. Uh, that's what I thought. 
yeah even even is quite like unsure of what he is so that was kind mm. kind of a cool that was one quite a uh, cool beat in the the sequence uh let's move on to Rand and Matt um Rand and Matt uh also have been traveling for a month i don't understand who they're traveling with i don't think that was kind of explained to me i think they were escaping the fade and then they've just joined this group uh they also enter the city of tarvalon uh see the white tower rand seems to recognize the mountain that the city is behind um they find an inn matt is looking terrible he's snapping at people and he basically looks just like horrible at the moment like poisoned or something like that uh rand is um rand is introduced to i don't know how to pronounce it because the screener didn't have subtitles Lo- loyal um loyal and he re- loyal okay and he recognizes rand as one of the yeomans is that how i wrote i don't know if i, 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 I wrote this almonds okay Islands okay um and uh they reconnect with Nynaeve who has also reached the city of Isadai and they kind of bond about um uh, you know uh, hating the Isadai not trusting them um <laughs> yeah. um yeah uh, anything i'm missing there amrita anything that was important from the context of the books No I think like uh, so they've made a few shifts here and there but I don't think that's of any particular concern to people who haven't read the books. I think for a lot of people who've read the books like this episode is going to make them like really angry because <laughs> <laughs> um there's like a huge shift in one of the arcs in the in, in the main arcs in the books. So um I think they're going to be like super mad about that but I don't think uh as people who are coming like watching the show as the show I don't think there's like anything to be worried about. Mm. Um I did like that the passage of time of one month passing was really shown in Rand's hair and that's the only you know for a show that doesn't feel lived in you could say see that Rand's hair was longer after a month of traveling so I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> um <laughs> That's it's all about the hair. <laughs> it's all about the hair cuz I have none. Um so Joy man there was also the sequence where uh, Logan is being um kind of um uh, shame, shame. A, yeah, he's shame shame through the city of Torvalon and he seems to recognize I what I felt was he was recognizing a dark power in Matt um mm-hmm. or he was just crazy. Um and also the what people I thought of, was what Yeah what I thought was uh, Matt was hallucinating because he recognized uh, uh Logan Logan was completely out of it because he's got you know the thing sucked out of him um but Matt was the one doing the hallucinating and it was in his sort of mental thought that uh, Logan was laughing at him that was oh, what oh, I interpreted Okay, I thought they were like reconnecting over like oh you're one of me you're one of me we both have mm-hmm. black octopus powers. Um also kind of like I thought it was funny cuz I like when you arrive at this white tower and you see kind of like the CGI vista of what the city is you feel it's mm-hmm. like you know like this city of envi- in- enlightenment but all the people are kind of like douchebags they're like throwing their garbage at Logan and things like that i'm not a i'm not a huge fan of mob mob justice generally so yeah. i i kind of like i was like turned off by the people living in that city straight away i was like the guy <laughs> the guy needs a trial you know don't don't throw your old lettuce at him 
Um, yeah. Uh, what did you? Uh, uh, how, how do you pronounce the name in it? Loyal? Is that how yeah. you say it? Yeah. What did you think of the introduction of that character, Sujoy? uh yeah i i miss having subtitles in that portion <laughs> you know i couldn't <laughs> understand a single bit i thought he was making some really funny comments i uh, sort of noticed him making a comment about i like oddities uh when he says that you humans are very odd and i like oddities and something to that order but it, i i don't know i hope he is more of a prominent character in the future episodes because he looks like fun So the thing that you need to really pay attention to like the exchange between Rand and Loyal is that uh, Loyal thinks that uh Rand is an idol um and Rand is like no I'm not I'm from the Two Rivers and he's like no you're not like I know what Two Rivers people look like and you don't look like a Two Rivers man and you look like an idol man and then Rand insists that he's not an Ironman and so Loyal thinks that maybe like his books are out of date because um the way he read the descriptions of the various kinds of humans uh Rand looks exactly like an Ironman and that's important mm. okay but what does it all mean <laughs> what does it all mean <laughs> sujoy wants spoilers i do not want spoilers <laughs> what it is yeah. i i did feel the makeup was very reminiscent of remember that 80s show the beauty and the beast with the ron perlman and <laughs> yes <laughs> linda hamilton <laughs> so twitter is aging all ourselves. over it yeah twitter is it already okay it. yeah okay it looked very very similar kind of the makeup is he what, what is he is supposed to be a lion or something like that is he a lion no. <laughs> he's an a, ogre Yeah he's a uh, oh, uh this uh oh I I'm not sure how the show is pronouncing it but in my head I always pronounce it as Ogier but mm-hmm. um maybe the g is like hard or maybe it's a j sound I don't know Ogier maybe I don't know Sounds um, like a perfume that Jean Paul Gaultier has done like Ogier <laughs> <laughs> Um but this is not really how I pictured him but also like it makes sense that this is how they designed him because um you know like how Rand first sees him and like yells like Trollock like <laughs> uh that is uh, yeah that makes sense but uh the Ogier are like very um uh they're very peaceful um they're a different species and they have their own prophecies and things that i liked that i felt like that was kind of cool like you know like when you watch old like star trek and things like that you have really have a lot of different races getting introduced and i thought that mm-hmm. was kind of cool because i'd forgotten you after a while you because we haven't seen the trollocs in a while you end up like oh this is just like a normal world with trollocs but no it's a normal world it's not a normal world there are other weird people in this too so i thought that was kind of cool the coming back to the makeup what i always find like i i find i i feel bad for the performers because the mask and the hair is fine but yeah. when they cover the hands that must be really annoying you know like when you can't even like you know scroll through your phone because i don't think those uh, gloves that he's wearing probably has like uh, you know uh, screen sensitive touch or something like that must be really really annoying being <laughs> that much in makeup <laughs> oh, it's the little things as him <laughs> yeah yeah 
But that's what I'm saying, man. This this show really slowed down, so I could really, uh, you know, think of all of these things. Um, yeah. Uh, what did you think of um, Amrita? What did you think of Amrita? Uh, of Amrita? Of uh, <laughs> of Nainiv? <laughs> Imagine how much I connect Nainiv with you, Amrita. <laughs> uh, how did you think of uh, Nainiv and um, Rand and Matt reconnecting? That was very sweet. Although, like, Nynaeve is being a bit of an idiot here, which is also on point for Nynaeve. Okay, in what in which context? With the mat or with the well, lamb? all the all the uh, two rivers people are the same. They're all like super stubborn and idiotic when they get on their like, you know, um, when they get like some thoughts stuck in their head. And Nynaeve is convinced that all the Isidai are evil, and she's like. No, like we'll figure things out for ourselves. Um, and as we see, like that's not the best way to go forward. Okay, okay, I, I, yeah, I was like, I felt like there had been trust built between Nynaeve and the Aes Sedai, and I was like a bit surprised that she was still holding on to. You know this distrust of Moraine and Lan. I, I, I was having trouble with. I felt that. that character had evolved but clearly she hadn't she was like falling back into the same patterns which i feel is getting a bit one note we've been like three episodes in of the same kind of behavior uh, yeah i just I, i i didn't like that too much um shall we but yes sorry. but has uh, nynaeve sort of you know had a feeling that something's up with matt so far or she just thinks that Oh, he's just traveled for a month with no shower, and it just looks rough. <laughs> he's gone full golem, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think like she just thinks that he's sick and he's got a fever. Uh, okay. okay, you know, because she was specifically asking, like, show me your tongue. So I thought maybe she knew what was going on or something like that. But um, yeah, but he still is poisoned by Shadar Logod. Is it because he has that knife with him, or was it something else? Like, or is that going to be explained later on? That's going to be explained. Okay. Okay. Um, let's move on to Moraine and Lan, um, the third and final storyline. Um, Moraine enters this white city after what seems to be years. She is confronted by the intrigue, the power struggle, and the internal politics of the Aes Sedai. Nynaeve still doesn't trust Moraine. She also hasn't spoken to Lan after saving him. Lan is trying to support his friend Stepin, who is devastated after the loss of his Aes Sedai. He is offered a place next to Alana Monsavi and her crew, because she seems to have more uh, warders, but chooses to trick Lan by giving him Nynaeve's sleeping tea and commits suicide. Uh, we fade out as the warders are lamenting the passing of one of their own. Um, yeah, I... This was kind of my favorite storyline from the three, and I think it's because um, it was about Moraine. Because, <laughs> no, I, I thought it was your favorite because Stepin died. <laughs> like <laughs> good riddance, <laughs> such a wuss. <laughs> so this whole thing is like uh, made up for the show, and what? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is not in the books at all, um, and so. 
there's this thing like like I told you in in the last episode when an Isidai dies the water feels the connection between them break and he basically goes insane and tries to kill everybody like that's how it is in the books if by some you know by some chance he is able to conquer his instinct to commit suicide by you know fighting everybody um because usually when this happens it's in the battlefield so they'll be surrounded by enemies so you know he basically dies fighting that's the whole concept but um in this particular case like that's not how stepan behaves at all um but in the books there's this whole thing where um if the water is rewarded by another sister then um sometimes they're able to save the water and save the water's life and there's a school of thought that thinks that you know letting the water die like that is basically a waste of all the training and talent that they have so they try not to let the water's die um but you can't like that's another thing that like, you can't just ward somebody against their will they have to agree to be warded by you So that's why like when Alana says like you know I'm happy to ward you and he says I'll think about it um if he had said no or if he like she couldn't ward him until he said yes so that's why everyone was waiting um but the thing is like this is where like this is a disadvantage for me where I'm a book reader because usually when we spend this much time on a side character I expect that person to have like a trick up their sleeve So I was waiting for Stepan to reveal himself as a dark friend or try to murder Nynaeve or like something especially when he came knocking on her door and like asked her for a sleeping draught a uh, draught um I was like um yeah like he's up to something but I did not expect what he was trying to do um so it was a good surprise even for me as a reader um I'm not like i know like sujoy's favorite part is the funeral scene i didn't really care for it like that's not my idea of lan like this is probably a better version of lan to be honest because he seems to be more in touch with his feelings but there's a part of me that's like really mad because this seems to be yet another episode where lan is basically you know a large fail son who can't even keep his friend alive so i'm I, like I, um I had the exact same note like this is another episode where Lam is kind of lame um like who gets <laughs> like like it's tea there's no tea that knocks you out it's not like chamomile doesn't work it's just like a bunch of leaves in water you know like I, I, like the 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 wisdom seems to have a lot of faith in tea but uh, i i'm not a i'm not a i i i don't believe in the healing properties of tea that's just just that's just me you know give me a nurofen <laughs> but like that he was just like knocked out this way i uh, that just kind of felt lame and i agree with you also the funeral scene didn't work for me because overall i just don't i don't care that much for step and living or dying like i don't feel the the show has established it as much um so i i was yeah, like exactly. sure he's dead and Yeah so I I am this this sequ- that's why I like the sequence around uh Moraine and uh, Rosamund Pike because that seemed the most grounded and probably the best consistent per- consistent performance uh whereas all the rest either Stefan I didn't care about Nynaeve's tea I didn't believe in 
and LAN was just being lame again. So all of those other components were working less for me. What about you, Sujay? I like LAN crying. <laughs> you, like, you like a crying LAN? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least Ponda kuch to kar rahe. He's doing something at least, you know. <laughs> Some emotion. I I did feel like it was it was you know like when in um, like it's clear like um, in the Star Wars saga the Jedi are very much inspired from Japanese samurai, and mm-hmm. here it sem- seemed also that they're very much insi- inspired by sam- samurai, especially the way that he kills himself. Yeah, um, it was just kind of like a thing that I noticed uh, uh, watching it. Although I still kind of lame, man. The warders. I'm still not in, like I'm, I just want to see like some cool ass action, and I'm just not seeing it. And it's also very yeah. confusing because when they go to the funeral, they're all wearing white, and I was like, wait, like do they do the warders become a white cloak if they if their eyes die dies? I was like really confused about what was going on, especially when you establish colors so strictly and then you kind of mix it up, um, especially because they're all men too. Uh, it was kind of confusing. Uh, I, yeah, that whole of the, the whole part didn't work for me. I did really like the back and forth between Rosamund Pike and you know Nynaeve, uh, the actor playing Nynaeve, <laughs> Leandrin. Yeah, sorry, I meant uh, yeah, I meant Le- the actress playing Leandrin. Uh, I really liked the back and forth between her and Moraine. That th- th- those were kind of my favorite parts of it. She's just like, you know, Shashi Kalas right from frame one, you know, you just know she's the bad one, you know. Yeah. So I um, like I what you were talking about, like how the water scene based on the samurai. Um, that's interesting because you'll eventually see that the different waters come from different nations um, and each of the nations are very like culturally distinct. So you will see nations that are more Japanese inspired, actually. Um, mm. And you're not wrong about how Lan is portrayed as being like more Japanese inspired than the others, because uh, that is that is true. The Borderlanders are more Asian than the rest of Randland. Oh, interesting. Mm. Interesting. But Stephanie uh, is definitely not Japanese, though. No, 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 no. Uh, if you're uh, if you're actually worried about like you know like the color white, because I I think you said this a couple of times where you were just like, well, is are they a white cloak? Are these other yeah. people a white cloak? So white cloaks aren't just wearing white. They wear white with uh, some kind of red on it. So usually it's, um, you know, it's white with like a giant red cross, um, very much like Knights of the Templar. Like that's basically what the imagery is. And then if you are a questioner and questioners what uh, Imanwalda is in this version, um, then they wear a white cloak and on the back is a shepherd's crook. That looks like a question mark. I wish the show had established that a little bit better. I had not seen a question mark or anything like that. Okay, interesting. I also was, um, it was interesting to see that um, the warders have to bring back the ring and kind of melt it in this kind of Mordor situation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, That was kind of interesting because 
uh, Egwin makes a point of stealing the rings of all of the Aes Sedai that Iman Valda had killed. Um, so it has some sort of importance melting those rings back in the White Tower, right, Amrita? No, that's like a show thing. So I have no idea what they're trying to do with that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. See, I, w- I thought that was kind of an interesting point. All of the things that have no have no bearing whatsoever to the rest of the story. So, right? in the in the show, you have these giant rings that the Aes Sedai are wearing. But uh, in the books, they wear like very much like very much more discreet rings. It's um, it's actually a serpent eating its own tail. Like that's what the ring is. And it's mm. just worked in gold. Like it's just a gold ring. It's like a wedding band. Um, mm. So it's not like this giant ring that they're all wearing in the show. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I did feel the in the funeral scene <laughs> when they were like lamenting the passing. I wrote it down as a Wolf of Wall Street Matam. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? That was my note about how they're kind of thinking. Um, yeah. Um, anything else, Amrita, that we want to talk about this episode? Anything that I missed out? I don't know. I'm kind of like, I want to I want to go to the next one. I want to see what's up in the next episode. Yeah. I'm quite yeah. excited. Um, but uh, like, honestly, like, if we weren't doing this show, and I wasn't talking to you about it, and you were giving me this context. This might be the episode where I quit watching. Like that's how bad it was. Yeah. Mm. For me, just because there's so much content, right? And I thought, you know, like I was, like we were talking about the first three, three episodes. It didn't create that kind of water cooler moment, and like you know, not everybody seems to be talking about it. And like they had a bit of a peak in episode four, and now they're kind of in a play place episode, place setting episode. I might have like you know like quit on this one if uh, if it was like I, I this one really didn't work for me. Um, yeah, what about you? Like, like a f- sorry, go ahead. But the editing is also kind of choppy. Like this is hmm. possibly the choppiest episode since i don't know like uh the first one maybe yeah like even two and three were better than this one because they just kind of move from like scene to scene and they're like there are definite things that are happening where things have been deleted like scenes have been deleted and um i don't care for it actually Yeah. So Joy, man, what are what are people saying on the internets about the Wheel of Time? And you you caught, so, caught a few yeah. articles you want as well. A lot of people, um, especially book readers, are obviously upset about the changes that have gone from the book translation to the show, and a lot of people were actually quite surprised with how good episode four was. So there's a b- bunch of people who are saying that if you know, you've know you been on the fence, then definitely watch it till episode four, because that's where it actually picks up. And that kind of brings me to episode five, where people will be again disappointed that they stuck with the show and this show after the promising episode four fails to deliver on that front. But also the showrunner, uh, Rafe Jetkins, he sort of mentions that uh, episode six is definitely big and episode seven is where the producers at uh, Amazon were very, very happy with the show and they sort of ordered season two on the basis of uh, episode seven. So that's kind of promising. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
but uh, th- there's been obviously a lot of uh, backlash, and I don't know if uh, you know that sort of helps in long term in making this show as big of a hit as what the this show aspires to be, which is you know Amazon's Game of Thrones. Um, not sure because uh, so far we still haven't really been you know absolute fans of the show uh, uh, like I, i'm i'm watching this show just because of this podcast to be honest at the, at this moment <laughs> uh, um yeah um well episode 4 has been rewarding but i hope like uh, in a eight episode season when only episode 4 so, sort of stands out so far i i don't think it will be you know as rewarding for people but again like people are definitely saying that you know they will just wait out for all the episodes to drop and perhaps you know catch it all over the holiday season i wonder how this show would be if you were like binging it like maybe it mm-hmm. would be better if you were binging it mm. yeah I was going to ask you, Amrita, where are you kind of like sitting, like being, you know, this fan that's been waiting for this for so long? Are you are you still psyched about the show itself or? I mean, I was going to watch the show, even if it was like 10 times as worse as this is. <laughs> um, so that's not really a thing for me. But I like this is like one of those weird things where I don't see how this is. So this is obviously like really jarring to people who've read the books and love the books and also it's not as extreme as it could be for people who haven't read the books so Mm. it's kind of in that sweet spot where it's not pleasing anybody so i'm like (laughs) what is the point of this um so yeah but uh episode six is like really good i'm really excited for you guys to watch it and then apparently episode seven is really great which makes me wonder about episode eight but um, yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's see. Yeah. Uh, so, Joy, anything else you wanted to talk about on the internet happening about the show? Uh, not not really. I think that covers it all. Okay, cool. Um, I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, we'll be back um, with the uh, next episode next week. Um, Amrita, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Amrita IQ. So, Joy. I'm on Twitter at 93k. I'm at Asim Bernie. You can drop us an email at upodcasting at gmail.com with your thoughts. Uh, what about uh, any theories that you have? We'd love to read them. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with the next episode uh, next week. Hey, hey.